we've been talking, I started a series last week called The Power of the Cross. And uh, this is not going to come on your screen, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says that the preaching of the cross to those who perish are foolish. It's foolishness. But to those of us who are saved, it is the power of God. And that's when we look at this, and as we look at this, the power of the cross, it, it, it's to remind us, especially during this Easter season, of what took place, what happened. It, is, it, it, to be, it should be a constant reminder of what Jesus has already done for us and what we don't ever have to do again. Amen? We talked about last week, it was a reminder how all the Old Testament and the things in the Old Testament pointed toward the cross and what was going to happen at the cross. And, and, and so today I'm, we're going to continue to look at it. Let's go to John chapter 1, verse 29. John chapter 1, verse 29. It says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming to him and said, behold, the Lamb of God that who takes away the sin of the world. What a declaration that was. He said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And I think we missed the magnitude of what John was actually saying there. You know, because when we talk about Jesus and we talk about Jesus on the cross, we, we, we look at this thing and I, we, you know, on, we, honestly, we talk about it with such little zeal that we would dare, we, how, we couldn't even excite our own selves, yet alone somebody who's seeking <laughs> and, 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 and why? It's because we haven't came to the fact to realize that Jesus has taken away the sin of the world. We lack the reality that Christ has forever settled the sin problem. Come on, somebody, let's try it again over here. See if somebody over here is paying attention. Christ has forever settled the sin problem. Yeah. We don't have a sin problem. Oh, come on. Now, does that mean you, don't, you never sin or you never mess it up? Didn't say that, so don't run out here saying it. I, Karen, I have great ability to sin. But you know what? It shouldn't be a problem. John, well, I'm going to get into that in a minute. And so last week we talked about the, the, the power of the cross and living under the shadow of the cross. Today, what we're going to look at is I want to look at Jesus, the man of the cross. I said that last week and, and, and it sparked me. And so I had notes written out for myself this week, Ted. I had things that I was going to do and I sat down and that, that statement that I made last week, I said, when Jesus as a man went to the cross and then I made the correction in the message, I said, no, Jesus was the man that went to the cross. He was the man because there don't have to be another man go there. There doesn't have to be another answer. And so that just rang him out. So I scrapped everything and I started over. And, and, and the Holy Spirit began to lead me into some things that we have to realize that when Jesus went to the cross, you've got to understand the great duality that ever existed, the great showing of our union with God was Jesus. That's why he came. He came to show us what we were to God and who we are to God and what God wanted. He was 100% God in his conception and 100% man in his delivery. He had to be a human because the law was given to humanity. And God knew that humanity wasn't... See, remember we talked last week. There was a difference between God's law 
that man can keep, that is natural for man to keep, the only law that we see that God actually took the time to write on tablet stones as Moses went to the top of a mountain and in fire and thunder wrote his law. And then there's the law of Moses. All the rules and all the regulations. And see what Moses was doing, he was trying to, okay, Tyler's doing this sin. And, and, and well, next thing you know, Renee's joining Tyler in doing this sin. Well, and, and then we look over here and Tanya's joining Renee and Tyler. Doing, so let's, let's nip this in the bud. I'll write another law. See, what the law does is continually tries to change behavior when God says you're making this way too hard. And the purpose of Jesus, the man of the cross, was to take away that struggle that man was always trying to do in pleasing God. Mm. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. I've got so much today. I got so excited this week. I'm going to try to get through it all. And if I don't, oh well. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14... It says, so then we must cling in faith to all we know to be true. For we have a magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ, the son of God, who rose into heavenly realm and now sympathizes with our frailty. You know why? He became a man. To walk through life as a man to show you and I as men and women how we can walk through life too. Mm. He had to, be, a man had to solve the law problem. Okay. He under, I love how the passion puts it here. He understands humanity for as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way just as we are and conquered sin. So I'm going to throw this out to you right now that, that I hope just absolutely fries the circuits in your head. Think of the worst thing that you're tempted to do. So was he. Think of the absolute... I want to choke Tyler right now. There was times when Jesus wanted to choke somebody out. There was, I'm telling you here, Jesus had to experience humanity in its fullness. And a lot of people don't like to think of their Jesus this way. Oh, he just floated and... There was times when every temptation, now think of the world outside of the church world because you're all good holy people and you're never tempted to do things wrong. <laughs> think of everybody out there that we judge on a daily basis who are living the most horrific lives that you've ever imagined. That was the very temptation of Jesus. Well now wait a minute, I don't believe Jesus would be tempted to Yes, he was. Because if a man has ever been tempted by it, if humanity has ever been tempted by it, for him to understand us, for him to be our place, he was the vicarious man. He, we vicariously lived through us. And so he became us so that, now can you imagine, how often are you tempted through the week? And that's just with your temptations. 
Imagine everything that he was tempted with. See, we lose sight of this fact. We think Jesus, the Christ, the Holy One, 100% God, absolutely true. And when he took himself a flesh body and decided, I am going to pay for all of humanity, he had to experience what all of humanity experienced. Here's the kicker. Where I dive in head first, he conquered it. Where you and I just, I fell into it again, God. He was tempted with the same way to show you that you don't have to. That you don't have to. He fought those desires. We sometimes pet those desires. <laughs> Amen. Am I the only one that's ever had a pet sin? <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad. But why? Why? If he's taking care of the sin problem of man, why do we keep... Remember, what do we call it around here? We call it the zombie nature. We're trying to feed a thing that's going to bite us in the end. So we're feeding a zombie nature that Jesus has already taken care of. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. I may teach more to you today. Hebrews chapter 2. Since all his children have flesh and blood, so Jesus became human to fully identify with us. Well, I just don't think God understands what I'm going through. Guarantee he does. He's not been tempted with this and this and this. Yes, he was. Because for him to fully identify with us, oh, come on, folks. <laughs> he became flesh and blood. He did this so that he could experience death and annihilate the effects of the intimidating accuser who holds against us the power of death. Verse 15, by embracing death, Jesus sets free those who live their entire lives in the bondage to tormenting dread of death. You know what that means? Jesus even took death so that you can be free from the fear of it. See, this is the man of the cross. This is who we're talking about. Oh, and it is clear. Let's keep going. It is clear that he didn't do this for the angels, but for the sons and daughters of Abraham. This is, I love this. This is why he had to be a man to take hold of our humanity. He took hold of our humanity. He became the man. And he took hold of our humanity so that when he goes to the cross, he goes to the cross not as a man, but as the man who took all of humanity to the cross with him. Oh. <laughs> the scripture says that we were co-crucified with Christ. We were co-buried with Christ. But to guess what, Scott, the good part is We've been co-risen with Christ. See, all of humanity is included. Oh, goodness. He took hold of our humanity in every way. He made us his brothers and sisters and became our merciful and faithful king priest before God. As one, now get this, as the one who removed our sins to make us one with him. 
That was the ultimate goal of the cross. It was not to solve, to serve some bloody ritual that God devised. It was to serve the purpose of humanity's sense of justice and need for justice. And so Moses just kept writing laws. Oh. And Jesus came to put away that law so that in that now we are all been made one with Christ. Oh. He suffered and endured every test. I'm in verse 18. And temptation so that he can help us every time we pass through the ordeals of life. He took every test, every trial, everything that you're going to be tempted with so that when you are faced with them, he can help you through them. Don't you hate that stupid phrase that people say when you're going through a bad day and you just tell them what's going on and somebody goes, I know how you feel. (laughs) No, you don't. You may have went through something like that, but you don't know how I feel because I'm feeling this. The good thing about Jesus, when he came and you say, God, I am dealing with this struggle. I'm dealing with this issue. He says, yeah, I know how you feel, but you don't have to go there. I've already taken care of the issue and I've already taken care of the need so that you don't have to walk in it anymore. You don't have to be bound by your sin. You don't have to be bound by the chains. You don't have to be bound by addiction. I went through it all and was tempted with it all just to set you free. I went to a service one time in Pennsylvania. Reese and... uh, Ron and Lana's daughter, Bree. We all took off. And uh, we went to, Tim Wright was in a service. And uh, we all just went to spend some time with Tim. And while Tim's up there and he's ministering, he's doing his thing, I just laid down on the floor, put my face down. And God has showed me a vision. And Jesus stood in front of me, Jim, And he grabbed his chest and he went and just ripped his chest wide open and I saw his heart. And in that that heart was the slice that the soldiers placed on him the day of the crucifixion. And he grabbed that and he put his fingers in and he opened it up. And he said, come in. And so in this vision, he took me into his heart. And in his heart was all of humanity. Until the church gets that, we're always going to struggle. In his heart was all of humanity. And I'm standing there, Idrim, and I'm watching because there's some people that is lined up because now I'm in the heart and it's massive and it's huge. And you say, well, this is kind of weird. That's okay. It didn't happen to you. It happened to me. And all against the, 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 the opening in his heart, Tyler, was people just staring out. And they're staring out into blackness. And tears just weeping and welling down their face. And they're just crying and, 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 and they're miserable. And I turned to Jesus, who's in his heart with me. And I said, what's going on here? I don't understand. He said, 
when you always look through the scars of a wounded heart, you'll never see how accepted you are. He said, he said, even though I have them in my heart, they won't turn around and look and see where they're at. See, that's what Jesus came. The man of the cross came to cause us, to cause everyone else to say, just turn around and look where you're at. Just turn around and see, because the reason why they're hurting and the reason why they're crying and the reason why they're doing all this thing is because they don't understand what God has already done in their lives on the cross. Go to Romans chapter five. Y'all don't get me started. He is the man. Romans chapter five, verse 18 from Philip's translation says it this way. He says, we see then that as one act of sin exposed the whole race of men to God's judgment and condemnation. Adam, one act of sin exposed all of humanity to God's judgment and condemnation. But look, that's not the good news. The good news is, is Jesus came to do what? To reconcile all men to himself. He says, so one act of perfect righteousness presents all men freely acquitted in the sight of God. Jesus has settled the sin problem. The problem is, is they're looking outside with scars and their hurts and everything else and they don't see that God has already brought them in. Oh. Sometimes you just gotta let this set, Steve. Let's keep going. One man's disobedience placed all men under the threat of condemnation. But one man's obedience has the power to present all men righteous before God. Our problem is, is when are we gonna stop looking at the one man's sin and start looking at the one man's victory? Oh. When are we gonna start looking, stop looking at one man's sin and realize that one man brought the victory? And he did it for all humanity. And he took all humanity into himself. And now he is just waiting for those to turn around and realize where they are. And it breaks his heart that they are there, but they choose not to understand it, receive it, believe it, however you want to call it. Hmm. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're just going to throw them out. Now see, what happens here is a lot of our religious teachings starts coming up. And we'll start saying, but you're saying. I'm not saying anything other than what you hear me say. <laughs> Don't go out here and put words in my mouth. You know, Facebook warriors. Dun, dun, dun. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15. Because this is just scripture, folks. First Corinthians chapter 15, glory to God. Verse 21 from the Amplified says, For since it was through a man that death came into the world, 
It is also through a man. Now, I want you to notice those two word men there are even written out differently. One has a lowercase m, that's us, an Adam. One has the uppercase m because he's the man. Glory to God. (laughs) He said, even though death came through a man, also through a man that the resurrection of the dead has come. We're waiting on this big glorious day. We've we've written songs about it. There is going to be a... Well, we're just waiting for the resurrection. I'm just, I just, I can't wait to get out of here. Don't get me teaching on that when, I, when you realize you ain't never getting out of here. <laughs> Bill, the word says that the, the heaven that's described in Revelations, guess where it sits? On the earth. You ain't going nowhere. So you know what that means? When you understand what Jesus has done, you have already been resurrected. <laughs> He's already brought you to life. He's al- We're not waiting on some big day where the ground bursts open and, you know. No, he says the resurrection of the dead has already came. It came through the man of the cross. It came through Jesus. My goodness, folks, do you realize we have been perfectly set up for victory? All humanity is set up for victory by the man. Woo! The resurrection of the dead has come. For just because of their union of nature in Adam, all people die. So also, by virtue of their union of nature, shall all men be made alive in Christ. He has already done it. This is what the man of the cross, this is what Easter's about, all about. Easter's more, this Easter week that we're looking at, the Passover, uh, the crucifixion, the resurrection, all builds up to the fact of God bringing humanity to himself and all we have to do is like we talked about last week, stop them from looking at what's hurting them. Oh, through the scars and the addiction and the hurt and turn their eyes. Jesus says, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that all who look upon him will be what? Saved, delivered, healed, totally brought back into place with God. Hebrews, whoo, glory. Scott, I don't know about you, that's enough to shout about. Hebrews chapter nine, verse 24. The expanded Bible says it this way. For Christ did not go to the most holy place, a sanctuary made by human hands. Now, let me, let me throw a plug in here real quick. On Wednesday nights right now, Ted is talking about the tabernacle and how it relates to the New Testament church. Here it says Jesus didn't go into that tabernacle that was made with human hands. I'm probably getting ahead of you. Uh, 
that was made with human hands, what Jesus did is when he resurrected, he took his very own blood, his very own blood, and went into the sanctuary in heaven. He said, for Christ did not go into the most holy place, a sanctuary made by human hand, which is only a copy of the real one. See, the tabernacle that was built in the old covenant was a direct resemblance of what heavens look like. Well, you don't think that that's not important to us today? It's a reflection of heaven on a natural place. Oh my gosh. Ah. Which is a copy of the real one. He went into heaven itself and there appears now in the presence of God on our behalf. What that means is that Jesus went straight into heaven with his own blood and now forever stands in the presence of God. A hundred percent God, but as a hundred percent man. And just as a reminder to heaven and eternity, that man paid the price and there's no more price to be paid. Woo! <laughs> Man in the presence of God. Verse 25. See, Jesus became man. He took on our humanity. Do you think he gave that up? Okay. <laughs> the high priest enters into the Holy of Holies every year with the blood that was not his own. See, in the, in the old covenant tabernacle, you're just going to have to get mad at me. They would go in every, every year, the high priest would go in and he would offer blood, but it was never a complete sacrifice because it was never his own. That's like the chicken looking at the pig and say, man, I feed so many people every year. I do a lot of good work. And the pig says, you know nothing about sacrifice. Come on. You can eat eggs all day long and never kill the chicken. But you've never had bacon without killing the pig. <laughs> I like bacon, I'm sorry. Jesus likes bacon too. But the high priest would go in and he would offer blood that wasn't his. And so it says, but Christ did not offer himself many times. In other words, he's not crucified over and over and over again. Verse 26. Otherwise, he would have had to suffer many times since the foundation of the world. But Christ appeared how often? Once for how many? For all. But Christ appeared once for all at the at the climax of the present age, now look what he did, why he appeared before God. To take away, to nullify, to abolish all sin. Why? Because by sacrificing himself. You saying I don't sin. Didn't say that. You're probably good at it. But you're doing it at the behest of a God that has already dealt with that for you so that you don't have to. Oh my goodness. Well, now I don't know about that. I don't have to sin. I'm glad you asked, Bill. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. 
First John chapter 2. My dear children, I'll give you time to get there for those that's flipping. My dear children, I write these things to you so that you will not sin. Now, here, get this, but if, everybody say if. That means you don't have to. That means you can go without. Let's try that over here. You can go without sin. Well, nobody can go. No, no, no. Jesus came as a human to show you what you are actually capable of. So he came and lived a sinless life. So say, hey, just follow me. Just don't. Well, but it's so hard. He didn't say it was easy. It's what's called temptation, folks. Come on. He said, but if anyone does sin. That, you know what that tells me? John's probably surprised that they're still doing it. <laughs> but if, just in case, somebody out there does sin, we have a helper, a counselor, an advocate. And where is he at? In the presence of the Father. He forever stands in the presence of the Father to show that humanity has already paid the price. Ah. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Now verse two, he died in our place and is the propitiation for our sins. And not only our sins, Somebody want to read the last part? But the sins of the whole world. He's already died for all the sins of all the world. He don't have to die again. And if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. But what about people out here? Just all we have to do is cause them to quit looking outside of a scarred heart. Only problem is they're looking in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Now, the word propitiation tends to throw people off. The actual writing of that particular word right there only appears two times. And here is one of them. Now, the word propitiation is used in other places, but it's a different meaning than this word. Um, this particular word, in Romans, he uses the word propitiation, but it means mercy seat. You know, what was found in the tabernacle? What was found in the temple? He calls, now you, you got to understand that. Romans called Jesus, called Jesus the mercy seat. So here we got Jesus who entered into heaven as a man, as the sacrifice, as the priest, and as the mercy seat. Oh my goodness. He did it all. And there is nothing left other than to quit looking in the wrong direction. Turn your eyes Jesus. He was both man, priest, and sacrifice. Now, the word propitiation there, back to that. It means to restore that amity, that love, and friendship which had subsided before a quarrel ever took place. So when Jesus became the propitiation, what that's saying is, is he put everything back before the fall. 
Not before the law. Ha! Before the fall. That's what it means to be a propitiation. It means to put back before the quarrel ever started. To put back before there was ever a difference. To put back when God saw all of his creation and said it was good. Oh! It is the idea of active grace, mercy, and friendliness. The word propitiation is that act of restoring friendship back to its original state. Folks, it originates with God. It doesn't originate with us. And it was God not trying to appease himself, but it was God justifying himself to show us the kindness that we didn't really deserve. <laughs> it was him justifying his own action. Not trying to appease his anger. Oh, please. Everybody still good for a few more minutes? Propitiation is God bringing himself into reconciliation with man. I'm sorry. Is, man, is God bringing man into reconciliation with himself? God doesn't have to be reconciled. So now when we come to God... We come to God and believe what Christ has already done, understanding that it was God's very own act in Jesus, and we have been brought back into a covenant of grace that God is not reconciled to us, but we're reconciled to God. First John chapter four is the other word for this propitiation. Now, does this mean everybody gets it? Well, he wouldn't tell us to go into all the world if everybody got it, would he, Bob? Now, they are, now that just means to their understanding. It doesn't mean that he didn't do it. Oh, are you with me? First John chapter 4, verse 9. And in this is, love, is the love of God. Now, what he's doing, he's getting ready to tell you what the love of God really is. In this is the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live how? Through him. And in this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be that sacrifice, priest, man, to be that restoration of the state of back before the quarrel ever started, to be the propitiation of our sins. It was God's doing. All along, it's always been God. It's always been Him. It's never been about me. It's always been about the work of Christ. It's always been about the man of the cross. It's always been about the cross. And that's why Paul says that the preaching of the cross to those who perish is foolishness. But for us who are saved, it is the power of God. I'm almost there. Second Corinthians. Listen, if you want to know more about what the tabernacle in heaven looked like, show up Wednesday night. Tittle. Jump right into it if I didn't destroy him today. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I love Out of the Amplified is my favorite translation of this verse, of these verses. Therefore, if any man, any person, is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation. Isn't it funny that he sat back through the cross before the fall? That's a new creation. He is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Uh, And behold, the fresh and new has come. All things are from God, who through Jesus reconciled us to himself. Amplified goes on to say, he says, we have been received into favor, brought into his harmony with himself. God reconciled the world to himself uh, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That word by, that word indeed, we might aim to bring others into harmony. See, we still have a job to do, folks. We, we're not off the hook. Because people still don't know. And it's our job to tell them. Verse 19. And it was God. Now get this. It was God. Personally present in Christ. God did not leave Jesus on the cross. We hear the script, we read the scripture, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We don't have that full writing. What Jesus was actually doing was quoting Psalms 22. It was one of the most popular worship songs of their day. And when Jesus started, my God, my God, why have you, he knew, they knew he was quoting Psalm. He was quoting the words of David. And in that very Psalm, he says, but you have not left him. Oh, come on. ha. <laughs> But it was God personally present in Christ. What was he doing? Reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. Ah, here it goes. Not counting up and holding against men their trespasses. God doesn't have a tally book. Ron did this. Dave did this. Belinda did this. That's not God. He's not counting men's sins against him. He's not got a tally book. Why? Because Jesus was enough to wipe it all clean. For all humanity that will ever have been, is now, or will ever be. Y'all underestimate Jesus. Not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation, of the restoration of favor. Uh, Skip down to verse 21. For our sake, he made Christ virtually to be sin. You got to understand there was something major happened on that cross that day. King James Version says, and he became sin. He didn't sin. He didn't do an act of sin. But sin had to get to that cross. Sin had to hang on that cross. John declared over him, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I believe that right then, 
sin was placed on him. And he worked through and never sinned, never committed an act. And now we find him on the cross. Oh, glory. Now we find him on the cross. And he says, he who knew no sin became sin. Why? Mm. Who knew no sin so that in and through him, we might be endued with, viewed as being in an example of the righteousness of God. And we ought to be approved, what we ought to be, approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him and his goodness. This is what the man of the cross did. Already done. And that just leaves the great things for us. We'll leave you with one last set of scriptures because sometimes this can get so deep and it, 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 because it really will fry, fry your religious mindset. <laughs> because we don't think Jesus is actually that good. Or that this whole Easter thing and the cross. Let me tell you something. When D and I was in Canada, Sandy, those kids up there, it was, there was two churches in the whole town. I pastored one and there was another one. And we got into the schools to do a Bible club. Something they had never had before. And Dee came to me one day with a story. She said she was, they were talking about, it's Easter time, and they were talking about Easter, and they were talking about the cross. And one of the kids says, isn't that those little things that people put in their yards at Easter? Yeah. And another one said, what's that even about? I'm talking about 12, 11, 12 year old kids, sixth grade. What is that all about? And when she said the name of Jesus, we're in a town. None of them in the room had heard the name. None of them. But before it was over, all of them decided, ah, I like this guy. <laughs> when we show Jesus how he really is, people will say, hey, I like that guy. I want that guy. He's a whole lot better than the mess I've been dealing with all my life. Oh, Romans chapter five, verse six from the message. And we're going to leave with this. Romans five, verse six. And Christ arrives right on time. <laughs> and Christ arrives right on time. Why? To make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. Woo! He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself in sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. King James Version says, and while we were yet sinners. <laughs> mm. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. He 
can understand, we can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And how we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God. Say that real, say that from right down in the deep right here. But God. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use to him whatsoever. Woo! It was never about me. I was useless. Verse 9. Now that we are, everybody say now. We are set right with God. Woo! By means of the sacrificial death, the consummate blood sacrifice, there is no longer any question of being at odds with God in any way. God is not mad at the world. Oh, mercy. Well, if this is the case, we don't have to do nothing. He didn't let us off the hook that easy, did he? He said, go tell them. Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere. <laughs> well, that's a Christmas song. <laughs> I know it's an Easter song. <laughs> of what Christ has already done. And we were put, oh, and no longer any question of being at odds with God in any way. If when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son. Now that we are at our best, just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by means of his resurrection life. Whew. Now that we have actually received this amazing friendship with God, <coughs> we are no longer content just to simply say it in prodding prose. Yeah, I follow Jesus. <laughs> now, now we sing and we shout our praises to God through Jesus, the Messiah, the man of the cross who settled it for humanity. And it's our job to let them know. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are, what you're doing and what you've done. We thank you that you are moving us into a place of understanding and realization of our life in Christ. And I thank you that it's a good life. And I thank you that it's a great life. And I thank you for the opportunity to let me share with others just how good it actually is. Amen?